The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only. Right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam Shansky. I'm here at Diddy TV Studios in Memphis, Tennessee today, sitting down with Zach and Liz of the band Dust Bowl Revival. How are you doing today? Great. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thanks for being here today. So you're in your jump into spring tour, and you're uh, traveling around the Midwest and a little bit of the East Coast. How's it going so far? It's good. We did uh, four shows in a row in Tennessee, which we've never done before, so that was fun. Where'd you play at? We started in Nashville, uh, and then we went down, down Chattanooga. Or up? Down to Chattanooga, up to Johnson City, yeah. and then way across Over to, Memphis. to Memphis. Cool, cool. And uh, what bands have you been playing with? We uh, did some shows with uh, a band called The Lowest Pair out of Olympia, Washington. Cool. Uh, kind of a roots duo. And um, some of the shows have been solo, like last night in Memphis. Um, we did a show. I think, some have been festivals. Yeah, festival. Uh, what festivals? Uh, Blue Plum in Johnson City. I think, uh, what was the band before us that played? Um, the band after us. Roanoke played before us. They Roanoke. were great. Okay. Um, and... Uh, the Hip Abduction played yeah. after us. They were cool, too. We weren't familiar with them, but they're out of Florida. Are there any bands that you have, like, tour support with you that you're playing with, you know, friends of yours? We did a tour recently with the Shook Twins. Okay, yeah. Uh, and from they're Canada, fantastic. right? Uh, no, they're from Portland. Okay. Yeah. Um, by way of Idaho. Okay. Uh, but uh, that was the longest run of, of really one band. We usually will do, like, a couple shows with a, you know, a group in a region, and then maybe uh, if it's a festival, it's a bunch of people. But, um... There's so many band members of Dust Bowl that a lot of times uh, it's hard to get really good support that doesn't want a headline on their own mm -hmm. or, you know, so it's kind of an ongoing process to find awesome bands that tour with us. You have a new album out, or not so new anymore, but uh, a self-titled album that's doing really well. Thank you. How's that feel? Feels great. It's almost a year old. Uh, we're really proud of it. Um, yeah. I think it's definitely, I think, the most... Uh, cohesive and, and sort of musically 
adventurous record we've ever put out. So um, Agreed. Yeah. New songs are sneaking in now. <laughs> we're at that point. We're starting to sneak the new songs into the set list Sneaking with the in. album. Yeah. <laughs> and so the, uh, the art direction on the album is you guys uh, out in the mountains. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Uh, the photographer is this guy David Talley, and um, he, you know, sort of brainstormed with us an idea of having this sort of wilderness mm -hmm. um, motif where we're sort of uh, on this grand adventure um, and it's getting dark and, and this lantern is sort of leading us, uh, you know, through the darkness. And I think, you know, a lot of ways you could interpret it, but I think in, in my eyes, you know, music is the light, I think, that gets us through mm -hmm. uh, the darkness. I think we didn't know <laughs> at the time when we released that record uh, what would happen in November of 2016. But um, I think music is something that brings everybody together. And um, we shot it at uh, the Kelso Dunes, which is out towards Vegas. And it's like mm -hmm. almost like a lunar landscape. Liz was yeah. really cold. Oh, yeah. It looks like it's warm because it of the desert. It was yeah. freezing, um, which is kind of funny because when we were doing the creative meeting with David, one of the things that kept coming to me was perseverance in the face of adversity, mm -hmm. which, you know, can happen when you're working on an album, can happen when you're touring on the road all the yeah. time, um, can just happen in your life as a human being. And that day was certainly a reflection of the theme of that album cover because it was so cold and I'm holding the lantern up and I, it's clanking because it was so cold. So it's a good thing it was still and not film. And you got to hold the lantern, right? Yeah. How'd that feel? Um, I think that my shoulder got really strong over that 20 or 30 minutes <laughs> I had to hold it up there. It definitely was much more Led Zeppelin vibe than I realized until it was printed out. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's striking. It's, it's cool. It's cool. We like it, yeah. Yeah. And so for this album, you returned to working with Ted Hutt? Yeah, this, this album we recorded uh, with Ted Hutt, who really helped us transform some songs. Um, What's Ted like? Ted is, is a very sweet guy. He's a Brit, and... Uh -huh. um, I would say he's sort of like a mellowed out punk rocker, mm. you know, because he helped found Flogging Molly yeah. and, and is sort of one of the, you know, the brain trust behind Dropkick Murphys and a lot of these really anthemic kind of punk rock uh, roots groups that mm. um, didn't necessarily, wasn't the reason that we reached out to him. I found him through Old Crow Medicine Show uh -huh. um, and he won the Grammy for their record, Remedy. And I really liked the way he instilled this rock and roll kind of spirit in, in a roots band mm -hmm. like them. And um, he came in and spent a lot of time with us, uh, helping us take certain songs that we were almost going to throw away um, and turn them into sort of, you know, bangers and, and dark, bluesy, funky, yeah. you know, songs that we love playing every night so and we we owe a lot to him where'd you record at uh king uh king size studios yeah in eagle rock which is in california in LA, yeah, yeah yeah okay cool so you're happy with the way tur things turned out on it yeah i mean i think you know as the songwriter and, and you know you your perfectionist brain yeah. always gets the better of you a little bit sometimes you don't really appreciate a, a record you do until four or five years later mm -hmm. you know um but Overall, I think it's it's a really powerful uh, and emotional album. There's a lot of songs that we wouldn't have put on previous stuff. Um, 
song called God Over yeah. and, and Debtor's Prison that are a little more sort of story songs, uh, folk rock songs that um, are very emotional to sing that kind of puts you through the ringer every time you sing it, and that's something that Ted really encouraged us to go for. I noticed that God Over had sort of higher numbers on Spotify, which doesn't mean a whole lot, other than I just wondered why and what set Playlists. it apart, if you had any you know, insight into that. Yeah, it got put on a playlist, and so it sort of skyrocketed really quickly. Yeah, it's an interesting thing I see with bands, you know, Spotify or whoever curates those takes it and puts it in the playlist, and suddenly it launches that song, and it's mm -hmm. like, well, maybe the band, you know, maybe that wasn't the one that you pictured getting out there, we you did, know? We didn't anticipate that being the yeah. one that got the most spins, but, you know, it You're works for with us. It. <laughs> well, the funny thing is that it, it's, it's a very kind of tragic song uh -huh. in, in, in yeah. sort of a tradition of... I would say Americana car crash song. Yeah. Um, but it's on a coffee house playlist. Ah, so it's like people are people have told me like, you know, they're typing away at Starbucks, you know, sipping their latte. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like this song of death yeah. and sadness. But I think uh you gotta take the good, you know, things that happen to you as a band. I mean yeah. there's so many songs that we would hope people would find and they don't find. So mm -hmm. if they can find this song and then lead it to other songs, great. And you do co-writing, right? I mean, you bring songs to the table, you know, individually. Most of the stuff that we're playing, Zach has written. I wrote the second track on the album, and we will sometimes workshop lyrics together a little bit, but for the most part, Zach writes the lyrics, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the band is, especially on this album, collaborated musically more than ever before, um, because there's, there's certain things that, you know, I come from more of a, a writing background uh, and uh, you know I play the guitar and I, I, I try to sing through a melody and, and feel how the song is going to go but I don't really have any um, main thoughts about how the horn sections is, should yeah. sound how the drum beat should sound you know and so that's sort of their job to really create the orchestra behind us and that's that's really been an impressive thing to see in the last record sort of everyone's contributions coming forward, which is really fun. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of trust involved there. Yeah. I know that, you know, you were a songwriter to begin with, and you had made your way from Chicago to L.A., and the Craigslist ad story is it's kind of gotten out there and become the legend of you guys, and <laughs> it's really legend. cool. But, uh, you know, to, to work with a group of people and have that kind of intuition involved and have that trust is hard to do. Yeah, it's, you know, it's an ongoing process. I would say, you know, the, the more democratic, uh, collaborative, form of songwriting is not easy. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of painful at times, to be honest, because yeah. um, there's times where I really, you know, will think a song should sound a certain way, and the bass and the drums are just not feeling that, mm -hmm. you know? And, you know, early on in the band, when it was sort of me and a, a collection of different people coming in, I could just be like, no, this is how it's going to sound. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't get to do that anymore. And I also, like, the songs are more advanced musically partially because we have an incredibly educated mm. group of musicians guys yeah. who have master's degrees in music composition it so shows. um sometimes you can get too yeah <laughs> in your brain but uh overall <laughs> there's been some really cool orchestration that's happened on these new songs that we're working on now especially yeah. do, you, do you think you help you balance that out a little bit um yeah just to add to what you were saying i think i agree with zach in that what's nice about the collaborative process is that while it is challenging, mm -hmm. um, 
because it can lead to some frustrating conversations in the rehearsal room. It ultimately is pushing us to grow, which I think you can really tell in our music. Mm -hmm. So that's lovely. And um, I think I try to come from the empathy department you know what I like to try and bring is the performance and how am I telling this story and why am I connecting to it and that's usually my my question to Zach will be I'm totally down to sing this song tell me why I care about these people because I don't understand it right off the bat I need to know why you care and if I don't care and you can't tell me why then maybe we should revisit how we're telling the story so that it is more easily accessible Mm -hmm. people can insert themselves and I was I was uh, Talking to a fellow musician, um, this guy Reverend Peyton. I don't know if you know him. Yeah, big damn band. Yeah, and he was telling me about his theory that there's like two different types of songwriters: mm. the ones that write only from their own experience and sort of through the lens of the people they know and the things they see, mm. and then there's another type of writer who wants to see the whole world and uh, make up their own world, right? And (laughs) create characters that uh, don't exist yet, but are real enough to him that they do exist, right? And I kind of feel like I'm in between that, those two things, because growing up and going to school as a fiction writer, Mm -hmm. that was my thing, was creating stuff from scratch that didn't exist. Right. But then as you grow older, I think you realize that you can and you need to mine your own emotional baggage, your mm. own past, your own relationships. Um, and my f- feeling sometimes, though, is that if you're not creating a little something new, th- it, it gets to be masturbatory yeah. or I know what you mean. Uh, indulgent yeah. at times. Um, and my favorite, some of my favorite songwriters... You know, Bob Dylan, for instance, like, yeah. you can never tell what's real and what's not sometimes. And it's, if it feels real enough, that's enough for mm-hmm. me, which is not everyone agrees with, you know. To me, a little bit of what you're describing is something that I thought of along the lines of, like, a singer-songwriter writes songs for themselves and a folk artist writes songs for the world at large. Mm. And that's kind of a similar thought that I've been sort of processing lately. And... Mm. uh relate to that well, i mean i remember even in in film school in michigan yeah. they were like my first screenplay was about a <laughs> a psychoanalyst who falls in love with a performance artist who's his patient mm-hmm. and it was sort of like this it was like a french new wave film it made little to no sense but it was like fun for me it was yeah. like fun to read and my professor was like look like what is this you know like Who's going <laughs> to relate to this? Yeah. Like, do you know anything about psychoanalysts? You know, do you have like someone in your family who does that? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> you know, but it seemed like a fun movie idea, you yeah. know, and I think I've tried to be a little more grounded and yeah. be, you know, because, but not lose the sort of fantasy mm-hmm. because I think sometimes when it's just like the chair is black, yeah. the ceiling is dark, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to listen to that song, yeah. you know? But if there's a little bit of your own experience with a new world being created, that's really interesting to me. Do you do a lot of songwriting in the van when you're traveling, or does it happen? Where does it happen at? Uh, it happens in my mind. Yeah, just pops in. And in my and like when when I'm going to sleep, 
right before I fall asleep, that is when song ideas come to me, which is like so irritating. I keep trying to like tell my muses to like pick a better time, but that's when it keeps happening. A lot of smart people have kept books next to their. Oh, you know, I wake myself up, wake up and I like write go. It down. If I'm on tour, I go to the bathroom and yeah. I do a little voice memo, likely an octave down because I'm almost asleep. That's a real thing write too, though. Some notes. That, it really is. That when you're falling asleep in that moment, and you release. That's a name, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a pretty profound. There's time. definitely. Feels that's what it is for me. Yeah. Cool. There feels like there's a there's a sometimes a backlog of stuff that comes out when I get home. Yeah. Mm. Uh, when because my wife will go to work and it's just like me in the house in my underwear and I'm like, and that a lot of times like three or four songs will come out really quickly yeah. once I'm home and I actually have a second. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely on the road, yeah. There's a lot of voice memo little yeah. tidbits. Because you see um, things that are inspired by, and you're like, oh, okay, there's yeah. the mountains or something, and mm-hmm. get to write a song about that. Yeah. I've tried to slow down recently and not just write a song to write a song. Because yeah. I think I used to do that, and I and believe me, Liz knows that there's, there's reams a backlog of songs <laughs> that I send her. Email. But I think <laughs> there's sometimes songs that are like fun for me, and then there's like, okay, this is a real song, mm-hmm. you know. But you got to work them all out to get yeah. to the gold, you know. Write them all. And then send so them to 10, me, 000, and I help weed them out. Ten thousand song rule. That's, That's a exactly. Lot of songs. So you both have backgrounds in theater, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think that plays into your music, and how how do you think it does? Um, well, I'm definitely comfortable on stage, as I think Zach is. Like being in front of people is not um, uncomfortable for me. And then also just my ability to connect to the stories that he's telling. Mm-hmm. I think sort of uniquely prepared us to be in this group together because he writes stories and right. I've my whole life worked on putting inserting myself into stories and then telling them through my own experience. So I think that really lends itself to the way that Dust Bowl performs. Yeah, I mean I think in a way when you are going in front of an audience every night, yeah. even when you don't have the energy <laughs> right. or you're emotionally not fully okay, like the the theater gene kicks in yeah, and you're ready to go when the lights at you and that's something that you know i, I grew up just being in in plays and in high things. school or did it go past yeah, there i mean my my folks are like actors basically oh, wow, you know okay. from back in the day and and it was just like that's what you did you just you put on a show in various forms all the time you know yeah um also it takes a, i think a certain amount of narcissism <laughs> it'd just be like yeah. i you, know, you want people to see your work mm-hmm. you know and just and to listen to what you have to say um and because there's definitely people i knew through the years who were gifted songwriters and blah blah and they didn't want anyone to see them right which like always kind of blew my mind i was like this is great and yeah. they're like i don't want anyone to see me even you i don't want maybe to see they me. were more about just the creation yeah. part for me it's more i would like to connect with the audience yeah. i mean i moved to los angeles and was trying to do film and was doing a little bit of commercial work and mm-hmm. ended up going back to theater because what i realized is that i the whole point for me is connecting with other people so i went back to live performance and then found Zach, and then it really felt like, oh, I didn't realize that I've been training my whole life to do this. So now it sort of feels like homecoming. Yeah, I mean, I think music is a a, a very immediate way to get across your point of view uh, musically, but even politically and uh, spiritually. You know, it's like 
there's times where I feel like I should say something on the mic, you know, yeah. and I don't feel comfortable doing that, you know, and that's an interesting kind of dilemma sometimes because uh, I think it's our responsibility as artists to be able to not change people's minds, but to sort of bring... Expose them to other... Good, the goodness of the world and the good ideas of the world to the fore, you know? Yeah. And sometimes you kind of have to do that accidentally or through the back door, through poetic language. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I've put up various theater productions in L.A., you know, it's been a few years, and, and I miss that because there's something about a, an actual play that is, it's so fragile. It's an only, it only happens once, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, our, you know, our sets are sort of like that in a way, but we get, we're lucky that we can do it in Memphis, we can do it in Indianapolis, we yeah. can do it, you know, mm-hmm. just get in the van and go, and people are there to support it to a point. Whereas theater is such a struggle to get anybody behind you. Mm-hmm. And that's that proved to be a little too much for me to pursue it on a full-time basis. Um, and I think, any, honestly, like there are no full-time <laughs> playwrights that don't do other money-making things. And that's a, that's a sad thing, in a way, you know. Cool. Signature Sound Recording. So you guys have been working with them. You released your self-titled album with them. Mm-hmm. What is it like working with them, and how did you get connected? Well, Zach stalked them like Katniss Everdeen. Yeah. When they were, right? Didn't you find them, and you reached out to Jim, and then... Yeah, we, well, we I've been a fan of some albums. of the, their artists since I was in college. I, I, I noticed that they would put out singer-songwriter, and uh, Josh Ritter was one of the, my oh, yeah. favorites that they put out early on, and... Um, Lake Street Dive, who mm-hmm. was on their label, mm-hmm. and um, Miss Tess is on them. Yeah, they're very giving and and open and pretty so ha- supportive. Yes, yeah. hands yeah. off. Honestly, so they're they're yeah. not like sort of belligerently trying to push you in some direction. Yeah. Um, and uh, the Massachusetts sort of scene is a very fertile uh, root scene, mm-hmm. and uh, we have a lot of fun playing there. But um. That's cool. I just hear a lot of bands cutting the cord with labels and sort of doing their own thing, mm-hmm. and it's interesting to see when bands seek out a label and try to go that route. Well, it's nice to have their support because mm-hmm. they have experience in that market, yeah. and it's Zach cut albums before my time with Dust Bowl. He had albums um, that he did self-release, and you can do it, and it's a lot of work. And it's really nice to have the support of a label that is a smaller boutique label that does care what you say, is going to listen to your ideas, and isn't just going to tell you exactly what they're going to do, whether or not it works. You know, the market's always changing. So it's nice to have support from a company like that that wants our input but also can give us guidance when we need it. Yeah, it's more honestly uh, the smaller, more independent labels like Signature Mm -hmm. exist as kind of a distribution network, right? Mm -hmm. Um, they're not going to make you famous overnight mm-hmm. type thing. It's kind of up to you to write good material and get out there and, yeah. and do your thing. Um, it's a hit. Right. And I think the good thing is that they're very fair mm-hmm. and they're and they're very um, open to what our vision is, you know. And I think you've probably heard a million stories of major labels yeah. ruining people's careers because they're like, well, we don't, think this is what you should be doing. I mean, there's the famous Wilco story, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, 
they record Yankee Hotel Foxtrot and they got dropped. You know, it's like yeah. one of the greatest albums of all time. They're like, we don't like this. We're not going to release it. And they're like, okay, we're going to yeah. do it over here. It's a strange world. Yeah. Whose idea was it to work with Keb Mo? That's a pretty cool one. Um, I think our manager, Jeff, had the connection to him. Um, we've met him uh, in Nashville at yeah, Music, Music City, City Roots. Roots. Was that a co-write or how'd that work with the... It's a guitar. He has a guitar part on it. Yeah. Um, and yeah. he was very generous and, and sort of really, I would say, made the song what it is, you know, and it's not because he's going crazy all over the track. No. It's he, he has this really cool, bouncy rhythm part, and then he has a little choice, Kedmo yeah. riffs, and that's it. And that's sort of like yeah. really what it needed, and it's uh, it was really awesome that he could do that. Yeah, he's a cool guy. He seems to be on the cutting edge a lot, so it's cool to see yeah. him involved with you guys. What about the music video? Whose idea was that, with the mannequin and the girl and the beautiful love story there? <laughs> I'm glad you think it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've always been a fan of mannequins. <laughs> no, it was it was a, a director in L.A. Yeah. Um, who we got some ideas for videos, and, and this was the one that kind of some of us thought it was cheeky and, yeah. and fun. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a bit of a struggle to find a story that all of us agree with and... Sometimes it just doesn't turn out as well yeah. as you would like. Um, I think this one's pretty fun, you know, maybe creeps some people out, but um, naturally, it, it shows this sort of maybe out-of-the-box way of two people falling in love. And the song is honestly um, about questioning how you respond to falling in love, you know, because uh, when I wrote it, I just started dating my now wife, okay. and uh, she was joking that, you know, it's like all your love songs have bad endings. Like, why so don't now. you, like, mix it up a little bit? Yeah. Um, and so there's this line of, you know, something's going to go wrong, basically, and she's basically going, this is not that type of song, <laughs> you know, this, type, this time around. Like, it's going to work out this time around, you know? And that was sort of a, a, maybe a little twist, maybe, that we wouldn't have done before. What about the busted music video? Oh, that was really fun, too. My only complaint about that video is that it was so hot in the studio and there was no air conditioning. But that was really cool. We had a, a friend from L.A. come in and direct that for us. And it was also nice because it showcased the band. Yeah, it did. Um, so we, we sort of mix it up. We like to have videos that have a, more of a concept story to them and... That was another way of us doing sort of what we're best at, which is like the live, lovely production music video, um, but in another setting, which was a little more like traditional. It goes a long video. way because you guys look like you're having fun, and when viewers can see that, mm -hmm. you know, in your natural yeah, element and everything. Yeah, it was cool. I wanted angry ladies smashing things. Yeah. <laughs> so He yeah. got it. That was his request. Pretty cool. So you've played in Europe, too, uh, you know, Bergenfest and Tonderfest, I think that's how you say it. Mm-hmm. What's it like, you know, th what's the difference between playing in the U.S. and Europe? Are you seeing any drastic differences there and responses that you're getting? I hear that a lot from artists based in Memphis and just in the U.S. in general, and I wanted to know what your take on it was. The response, I feel like, is similar. People are very receptive to our music, especially in the Netherlands. Tunafest is bananas. Mm -hmm. I mean, they love Roots music, so... 
There are crowd. There are gigantic crowds there. Never heard of us. I would say the difference. Fill the tent. Yeah. Cool. The the difference I would say is that um, they give relatively unknown bands the main stage at night. Yeah. yeah which is which here. is really special for us because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, even if we've played a festival a few times, you know, there's so many great artists over here that yeah. you're gonna be, you know somewhere in the middle of the poster Mm -hmm. and even if you're in the middle of the poster in denmark they're like okay saturday night nine o'clock here you go yeah that was was, that was this past time and it was just like it's crazy you know uh they're just a very cheerful uh they they all clap like in unison in unison (laughs) smiling it's pretty it's pretty funny um but we we've gone up to norway and we've gone to um Sweden for the first time, where our trombone player is from, and that was fun. Cool. It was more difficult when we were in the UK because we went, we didn't realize we went during holiday season, so uh, most people were gone. But Europe has been lovely to us. When you hop out of the van and there's eight of you and you all look the way you do, what do you notice? Like, what's, what's the People vibe? know we're in a band. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, we don't even, like, if you just walk into a restaurant, you don't even say anything, they know you're in a band. <laughs> What does that do for your own psychology? Dudes with beards, to walk maybe. Out of public maybe we just dress too casually. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> we do the two minivan approach. So That's so usually you don't the gang thing. up on them right away. <laughs> no. Roll no, into show. Four at a time. Like, okay. Yeah, trying to get a table of eight at a popular brunch spot. It's tough. Yeah, very Not split easy. up. Not yeah. easy. Meet you back here at two. Yeah, it's, it's cool. more comfortable too being for us in minivans than in passenger van. The shocks are better. Everyone gets their own chair. See, these are the things you learn on chargers for everybody. It's important. Yeah, those uh, those those fifteen passengers are terrible. Yeah. We had a sprinter a couple times, but even that with eight people, you got two people stuck in the very back row, and so like the seats are totally upright. Whereas the captain's chairs, you can recline and like play video games. Do you do you find that already uh, the van is becoming your safe place? Like when you pull up to a festival and you're, you know. Do you get out and run around, or do you hang on the van and kind of wait there? No, we never hang at the van. For us. I hear that a lot from musicians that have been at it a long time. They get a bus eventually, and it's like the bus becomes this place where they just Well, yeah, maybe if you you have a bus. There's like AC in there and a fridge. Sometimes I'll... I'll, (laughs) I'll, (laughs) a bunk. When it's super loud at a festival, I'll go in there and write a set list in there. Yeah. Or maybe warm up. Call call my mom. I don't know. Yeah. Good. Mom, help. (laughs) (laughs) Mom, it's so loud. So you have uh, one foot planted in the present, and uh, I'm sure one in the future. Where's it going? The future? Stardom. Yeah. <laughs> um, What's next for you guys? Yeah, we're, so we're, we're kind of collecting the new material. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Hopefully by the end of this year, we'll have a group of songs that we feel are ready to start honing for the re- recording studio. And, um, you know, the summer is definitely the festival season. It's the... Yeah. It's go time, basically. You mm-hmm. know, we don't we don't uh, go home almost all of July. You know, and it's it's a little tough, but you know, we we had a slower winter, so was, I think it'll be a little easier. Yeah, and then we'll come back from summer and get back to work for new stuff. Excellent. Check it all out at dustbowlrevival.com. All right, Liz, Zach, thank you very much for thank being you. here. Thank you. Thank you. All right. of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only. 
right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 